Yo, Bab. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Hey, Todd. How you doing, man? Yeah, great. It's episode four of Subject Matter X, a weekly podcast powered by Content Pair, where we talk to subject matter experts, dive into their career, learn about how they got to where they are, and talk to them about what their area of expertise is. So today we're talking to John Duke Logan, who the media has dubbed the team magician of the New England Patriots. No, I can't wait. Uh, so we dive into questions like who is his favorite player to trick, how he got into magic in the first place, what Tom Brady said about him in a press conference, how he got involved with the Patriots, because I think that's like the key point of this entire episode, and, and why his motto in life is impossible is just a word. And this podcast is brought to you by Content Pair. So what we do at Content Pair is we match brands with subject matter experts, brands that need content and subject matter experts that want to share their knowledge and get their brand name out there by being published by larger, bigger brands. So if you are a business that produces content and want to be matched with somebody, or you consider yourself an expert and want to get your name and brand and knowledge out there, head over to contentpair.com and sign up. So without any further ado, let's bring John onto the podcast. All right, cool. Welcome back, everybody. Happy Wednesday. Woohoo! Episode number four. It's good. Number yeah, four. Good, number four. Good stuff. So everybody, welcome. This is your host. Todd, also host Bob Khaleesi, and uh, we're thrilled because we have John Duke Logan today on the podcast. We're so thrilled for this. Whoop, whoop. I cannot wait to get into today's conversation. Uh, so to everybody joining us, um, as Todd said, we're with John Logan. He is an entertainer, author, speaker, uh, digital content associate, and on-air host, uh, and writer for the weekly series Magic Moments with different players of the New England Patriots. Man, you do a lot. Um, That's also with so, Ted, a, a TEDx speaker as well. Oh, man. All right, John. So yeah, today we, we are going <laughs> to unwrap and understand how you got to where you are, um, how you became. So the media nicknamed you the, the team magician for the New England Patriots. Is mm -hmm. that right? Yep. Oh, that's so funny. So before we dive into all that, um, here's a couple of things that we know about you. Uh, you've published a book called The Perfect Illusion, Life, mm -hmm. uh, where for 20 bucks, you can walk yep. away with 20 tricks. Yep. Uh, you were on America's Got Talent. Mm -hmm. uh, how was that? That was pretty cool. It was a really cool experience. Howie, Howie uh, gave me a standing ovation, Harry Mandel. And uh, so it was, it was a really, really cool experience. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Uh, you get to regularly fool New England Patriots players with tricks uh, on your show called Magic Moments, mm -hmm. and Heidi Klum once called your magic extremely creative, and she's never seen anything like that before. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that was when I was on America's Got Talent, so it was pretty cool. Yeah, and so now we know all of this about you already, but what's something that we don't already know? Hmm. Um, people call me call me a cartoon character because I only wear long sleeve blue shirts, like Doug Funny. Really? Mm hmm. Yep. Why? Why long sleeve blue shirts? So it was that, it's actually a funny story. The I would probably say seven or ten years ago, I was going back to school shopping with my mom, and I got home. I realized that uh, well, my mom came up to me. And she was like, "You realize that you only have long sleeve blue shirts that you bought them?" I'm like, "No way." So I look at my closet and I open it up and I see 
all I own is long sleeve blue shirts. <laughs> I love it. Not even realizing it. So I'm like, this has, this is like either I'm like a weirdo, which I know I am, but like, is there like some science behind this, whatever? So I started doing a little research and, uh, researchers actually studied entrepreneurs, uh, like a few years ago, they did a study and they realized that, uh, Mark Zuckerberg, Steve jobs, if you look at it, look at like videos of them and pictures, they wear the same thing every day. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what, I forget what the findings were, but they said, if you have a very entrepreneurial type of mindset without realizing it, you tend to wear the same things every day. Get out. Really? Yeah. I'm like, that's really weird. Cause I, that's, I majored in entrepreneurship in college. Huh. Um, yeah. And I don't know the reason behind so it's not, it. It's not a branding thing where you're trying to be known as the guy that wears long no, sleeve blue shirts. No, not at all. It's just, yeah, yeah, it's it's a, it's the weirdest thing. And then I'm like, wow, that's actually pretty cool. And then so my closet is just full of long sleeve blue shirts, and I didn't re didn't even realize it. And then I was like, you know what? Let's just keep the trend going. Yeah. So I've actually read a lot of articles about this. The, oh, okay. Um, the idea behind it is uh, helping to avoid decision fatigue. So when you're running a big company or you're starting your own small business, and and you've got so much of your brain taken up by all of these decisions all day long that you have to make starting off your day with one less decision like oh i know i'm going to wear the same thing every day uh you know these articles claim that that kind of helps reserve uh that that space in your brain to to make decisions be creative and, and do what you need to do to, to run and grow your business so um there's I mean, actually that makes sense. that's really cool about this I don't know if any of it's true because I haven't read any of the the underlying studies. I've just seen the articles, um, but it's a very cool concept. It's also kind of related to this is capsule uh, concept of capsule wardrobes where people only have like 30 things in their closet that are all kind of the same and they just mix and match them because it's it just keeps it simple and, and easy. Wow, that's that's really cool. I never never knew that. I guess I just learned something about myself. <laughs> oh man, this is good. So wow. we, we want to use uh, this episode really to learn how you got to where you are now. Um, we, we've sat in conferences before and people usually ask the question, so what did it take to get to your position in life? And, and people always give that very light answer of, oh, I got lucky or yeah, like it, it just happened to be here. And they skip over all those steps of like the hard work and the decisions that were made throughout their life. Uh, so we want to know, like, how did you become this renowned magician? How did you get this position with the New England Patriots? Um, take me really from, from square one. Let, let's start there. So I was 12 years old. I was at my aunt's birthday party and I was really bored because I was the only kid there. So I kind of just to entertain myself, started developing these cool just magic tricks. And uh, one of the tricks I developed was taking a signed coin and taking a coffee mug and pushing the coin right through the bottom of the coffee mug. And it looked really, really, really cool. So I went on YouTube, post the video on YouTube. And to make a long story short, a talent agency found the video, didn't know how I was doing it reached out to me and said, hey, what other ideas do you have? And I just explained just a few kind of just cool ideas I developed over the years. And they were like, well, do you want to like help us develop new routines? I said, yeah, sure. So at 12 years old, I signed a contract with them. And, and I was really lucky to be, to be in that type of atmosphere where a lot of these other magicians were working with people like David Blaine, David Copperfield, Penn and Teller, these really established magicians. So I was really lucky to be at a young age um, kind of surrounded by those types of people and it really just kind of took off from there I really just enjoyed doing it from there and that, that's how i got into magic so you posted a video online at 12 years old and then got signed mm -hmm. how old was everybody else oh there were 
I think the second oldest guy there was like in his like mid thirties, maybe oh, really? high twenties. Yeah. Yeah. And they've been doing magic their whole life. So they, they had a lot of experience performing and creating and things like that. Uh, so I was very lucky just to be asking questions, say, Hey, so why do you, why did you, why do you say this instead of this, when you're performing this trick, you know, just, just little things like that. And I learned, I learned a lot. Um, and I developed a lot of my own routines as well that I do in my show that I developed at a young age and just transformed over the years, over the years into what it is, it is now. So why do you say the things that you say in, in the middle, in the middle in of magic? the magic? Yeah. Uh, there's a, re so there's a reason for everything in a magic show. Let me just put it that way. If a, if a magician steps to the left rather than to the right, that probably means something. If he says, if he uses his left hand rather than his right hand to do something, that probably means there's, Every, magic is everything happens for a reason in magic and the hard part is making it look natural and that's what that's what a lot of people in the audience don't realize is that magic works because it looks natural and you just learn how to make it natural over the years um either trying to cover a move or trying to do some something secret um but using different types of misdirections to make it seem natural so people don't realize what you're doing. How, how do you practice? How do you, how, how did you get to a point where it was natural? Did you dub somebody like the <laughs> guinea pig where you would just test things on? Yeah. I was very lucky to have a lot of friends and family growing up, um, uh, to, to perform on. And my friends hated me because wherever we would go, uh, you know, just as a teenager, I would just bring a little camera with me. I say, Hey, can you, can you film this real quick? And I would just go up to random strangers, start doing magic. And they, they hated, they hated me because they're like, John, like, I just want to get a pizza. Like, why are we <laughs> filming you doing magic to the pizza guy? You know what I mean? Um, but it helped me a lot because then I got to use that and go back and say, wait a minute, why did I say that? Why, why don't I do this instead? Why don't I do this instead? So it's a lot about, it's all a lot of trial and error going out there. Uh, saying, well, what if I tried this? Okay, well, okay, well, people didn't laugh at that. Okay, what if I do this? And people didn't laugh at that. Okay, and then you just kind of do it over and over and over again until until it it looks pretty much polished. Um, but I would say there's no such thing as a perfect show. I think a lot a lot of times I've gone out there thinking a line or a trick would work, and I go out there and I failed miserably, and I had to recover on the spot. Which is magicians are great at improv because you have to make sure that yeah the audience doesn't know that you messed up. And some other times I've gone out there and said said something was off the cuff and people are in tears laughing. So, okay, well, I'll write that down. Okay, that was a good one. Now, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so it's really about just experiential learning is going out there and actually trying it to an audience. And that's how it, that's how it is, you know, over and over. That's how you just become... Yeah, you refine it. Yeah, it's kind of like a comedian. Like they go yep. out and they refine their their show over and over and over yeah. and see what works, what doesn't work. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. So, so 12 years old, you sign... Um, what, what's the agency like? Like how, how do you interact with the agency? How do they interact with you? Yeah, it was, it was pretty cool. It was, um, it was one guy that was kind of in charge. And then the, how, the way the magic industry works, which I didn't know at the time is that, uh, we're called, uh, it's called, cr uh, creative consultants. So a magician, uh, you know, let's, let's say for David Blaine, for instance, cause I think a lot of people know who David Blaine is, um, he goes out there and performs a trick on, on TV, doing magic to people in the street, right? Sometimes the trick that he performs, he didn't create the trick himself. It was someone on his team that created the trick. Um, so there's a concept of magic, which I've learned over the years, there are three types of magicians. We have the creator magician, who's mainly the person that's behind the scenes, you know, making making the props, making uh, creating the tricks, kind of sitting down, kind of the, the mad scientist, I would call them. Mm-hmm. 
and then we have the performer. And the performer is the person that's in front of the stage, you know, in front of the curtain, on the stage, the showman, you know, taking the creator's tricks, going out there and performing, maybe, maybe like the face of the show, if that makes sense. And then right in the middle, we have what's a combination of both, which I call the creator slash performer magician, who does a little bit of both, maybe creates their own material, goes out there, performs their own material, goes back, uh, you know, tweaks and things like that. Um, and I would say one magician isn't worse or better than the other. I would, you know, you have to, in order to have a very successful team, you have to have, you know, at least one of each on, on each team. And I learned that over the years and a lot of the magicians that you see on TV, you're doing shows and things like that. They have a team of other magicians and creative consultants that help them hmm. along the way to say, say, okay, well, we sit in the fifth, we were sitting in the fifth row and, you know, next time you have to angle your hand like this, or maybe they're behind the scenes and they can see a different angle or say, okay, well, this joke fell flat. What if we do this? And they go back to the drawing board. Um, oh, and wow. a, a lot of people just feel, just think it's one person running the whole show. Um, yeah. But I'm very lucky to have, I have my own consultant. His name is Stathi uh, Zaff. Mm -hmm. And after every show I have, after every keynote I have, I go and I call him and say, okay, this worked, this didn't work. You know, how can we, how can we tweak it? Things like that. So him and I brainstorm ideas off each other every single day. Oh, really? And it makes yeah. sense. I mean, if you, if you think about the large scale of some of these tricks, like if you're going to make a card disappear or you're going to levitate from building the building, there's no mm -hmm. way one person pulls that off by themselves in a mm. vacuum like the, it, it makes sense that there's a team involved yeah yeah that's, that's yeah you don't yeah, think but about you don't, you don't you think, don't about, think about that no. no no you definitely no. don't so so you you have your own consultant and are you consulting for other people as well yep 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 so so they come up to me i say okay you know what what's this idea okay well what about what if you do this what if you do that and i think the great thing about that is if you're just going out there by yourself performing creating things like that you're, you're limited by your own imagination. And when you're talking to other magicians, they, they may have seen or been inspired by something else that you didn't experience. So they can pitch your idea and say, wait, well, what if, what if you do this instead? And it, it kind of creates a really an open-minded environment, which I think is really, really neat. This connects back to the very first podcast interview that we did with Ama. Uh, where she was telling us the story of how post-it notes came to be. Mm -hmm. um, and that only really happened because two people had two very different concepts. And at some point over 20 years came together and realized, hey, you know, this piece works, this piece works, let's put them together. And, and you know, that's how we got post-it notes. So very similar it's, concept here yep. where, you know, you have that that other perspective that you bring to the table. It's, um, it's very funny you say that because during my, one of my creativity keynotes when I do things like that. I One strategy I talk about is the opposite object method, where you want to take two things that have nothing to do with each other and merge them together to see if you can develop a trick or an entrepreneur's case, uh, a new product or service. So, you know, if I said, um, you know, I want you to think of an idea that has to do with an industrial assembly line and cheeseburgers, you say, well, John, those have industrial assembly line and cheeseburgers, two things that have nothing to do with each other. Well, you may have heard of McDonald's, right? The fast food industry. Um, so I think a lot of cool concepts that magicians use all the time is merging two things together that have nothing to do with each other and creating a routine around it. And I think mm. a lot of entrepreneurs do that as well. If you take a business idea that's established already and break it down, it's most likely there's two things that really have nothing to do with each other, which I think is really cool. Mm. Yeah. Some, some of your tricks, how, how have you been able to merge them? Yeah. So, uh, I do, I did a trick with Malcolm Mitchell where I have a, bag of Doritos and I have a deck of playing cards and, you know, do things I've not used. I try, I merge them together. So his, he picked a card, he picked a, uh, I think he 
yeah, blue, blue Dorito bag, or I forget which one it was. And I threw the deck at the at the car at the chips, and the one that he pointed to, he opens up, and this car was in there. Yeah. So I said, "How can you merge them?" You know, so that's how, that's why I developed um, the yeah. trick. I, yeah, it, it, it's awesome, and and everybody listening, we'll 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 link to that trick because it's on John's website. And actually, I watched that one last night, and I was telling Bob all about it this morning. <laughs> 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 Loved it. Thanks. Loved it. <laughs> yeah. So a lot of tricks I do in my show, I try to say, okay. You know, can I can I use a baseball hat and can I use, you know, someone's wedding ring or something? I just try to see, okay, two things are really enough. Can I, how can I merge them together? I'll yeah. borrow someone's phone, deck of cards. I'll do all sorts of different things. So that's how I try to think of think of new ideas. Yeah. Okay. So so what else throughout your career? Um, did you have any lucky breaks? Did you have any opportunities that propelled you to this level? Yeah, I think uh, I think. Going through high school was great because I got to perform, you know, for for teachers and go on doing shows on stage and things like that. And I think when I came to college uh, at Bryant uh, University, uh, they had a lot of different events uh, going on, and it was a brand new brand new audience. No one, I didn't know anyone here, and they didn't know me, um, so they didn't grow up seeing me perform magic, which I think was was great because I got to perform to people that didn't know me. Um, so I did, I did Mr. Bryant, you know, with the campus wide competition. I, I won, I came in first place for that, which is really cool. And then during Bryant, I, uh, went on America's Got Talent and that was a really neat opportunity because I got to meet a lot of people behind, you know, behind the scenes and, you know, in developing a routine for that type of audience as well. Mm-hmm. Um, which is, which was really neat. Um, it was that something that you went into that saying, I'm, I'm, I'm going to use this as a growing opportunity or how did you view that? Cause I think like people see those shows and I think a lot of people are probably like, Oh, I want to do that, but they don't necessarily take any action. Yeah. I think, I think what, I think that's a great, I think that's a great point because a lot of magicians go on that show and it's actually ruined their career. Oh really? Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, or it's, it could either make or break your career. So a lot of people have it's helped and a lot of people it's hurt. Um, just because you know they you know they try to advertise you a certain way, mark you, they they help you develop routines, things like that. Um, but going on the show was I was going into it more for a learning experience. I wasn't expecting to win. I wasn't you know I wasn't expecting to get far. I just wanted to go in there and see what the process was like. See see you know a show that's so successful the behind the scenes of it. And, you know try to try to you know use that as an opportunity just just to grow. Um, so I made it past a few rounds, you know, I got a stand innovation, which is really cool. Uh, I got all four yeses. I got to meet everyone. So just, I just wanted to immerse myself in that type of atmosphere. Um, it was definitely out of my comfort zone, but I wanted to do it because, uh, you know, if I said, okay, if I could do this, you know, then I could get to a next level and I get, yeah. get to next level, get to next level. I think a lot of people, um, especially magicians have these ideas in their head, but they don't actually try to execute them they don't go out there and try to do them um and try to test them out in the, in the market things like that so i so the routine i did was was really cool i was blindfolded the whole time and i, I you know i had cards and i couldn't see anything which was which was really kind of nerve-wracking at the same yeah, time yeah because i didn't know how people were, were reacting but it was really fun so i went in there just for a learning experience just to see okay you know how do they work things around here you know can i can i meet other magicians back here just just to see how it is yeah were you able to take anything from that show from that experience and then incorporate it into um you know future iterations of your act yeah definitely i think i think a lot of people a lot of acts nowadays um you know you you know if if you if you watch the show now you either have to 
people they're no the acts are known for something specific you know what i mean um and you may not remember what the trick was but you remember what the person looked like and maybe a second or two of how you felt during the trick or something like that um and i learned i learned a lot of a lot about that where you know, you, you watch the show and I've seen the you know auditions or, you know, people going far and say, oh yeah, I met that guy behind stage. You tell me blah, 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 all, all these things. And I say, oh wow, they only highlighted that part of his life. Oh, and now he's known for the magician, pretend on that, whatever that part of his life is. So I think a lot of um, people you want to have, like, what's your hook? What's the thing you want people to, to remember you as? And I learned a lot from, from that process of, okay, what do I want people to know me as you know they if they walk away and they forget all the tricks all the tricks i performed during my show is there a message i want them to remember is there a feeling i want them to remember to say say man i know i forget that guy's name that I just performed you know it was last year i forget the trick but but i remember i remember he did i remember his message was that impossible is just a word and that's my message right so that's that's what you know what's what's your hook what's that thing that you want people people to, to remember you as and we actually have it on our wrists right now yeah yeah uh, <laughs> yeah wearing it wearing it right now yep. yeah bracelets yep. yeah so we had YouTube, you get signed. We had Bryant, America's Got Talent. Take us through the the, the fourth major opportunity that, that was presented. Yeah, I think uh, I th- if I had to choose one, I think the, the Patriots thing was, was really cool. Um, it pa- was, Patriots thing. The, the Patriots, Patriots thing. thing. The Patriots yeah. thing. <laughs> so yeah, for the people listening who don't know what that is, uh, <laughs> can you just kind of lay it out for us? Yeah, definitely. So... When I graduated from Bryant, you know, I was just applying to jobs, um, recent graduate, and I applied for a digital content position for the Patriots. And they called me in for the interview and they said, oh, yeah, you know, we, want, we want you to hire you, all this stuff. So I go in there and they said, wait a minute, you're a magician? I said, yeah. So I was like, oh, well, let's see some stuff. So I started performing to them and kind of one thing led to another. And they thought of the idea of developing my own magic show with the players. So every week I would have a new player come into the studio and I would do a trick to them. And my goal wasn't to fool the player, uh, and even though it would be cool yeah. if, it, if it did happen. <laughs> um, but I wanted the fans to see the different side of the players, whether that's you know, a reaction shot that maybe, that maybe they don't see during a regular interview, or maybe throughout the trick I'm, I'm telling something about their nonprofit organization that maybe mm-hmm. the public doesn't know about. Just using the magic as a way for people to learn about the players in, in a unique way. And that's where I think that's a lot of people are really fascinated by by that piece of it. Who's your favorite player to trick, and why? Um, I, well, Malcolm Mitchell. Uh, at the time of this recording, right now, he's not on the team anymore just because of injury. But him and I went on tour together because uh, whenever he would do an appearance, uh, I would be kind of the opening act, kind of getting the getting the crowd uh, pumped up, entertaining the crowd, things like that. So him and I became really close. Um, you know, we went, we traveled a lot together. Uh, so just being around him, I just know him, know him the best. I, uh, he was always fun and attracted, you know, maybe test out new material on him, things like that. Um, Gronk was really fun to perform. Uh, actually, Legaria Blunt, he's, he's on the Eagles right now. Um, but he, he loved it as well. Jacoby Brissett, uh, he, they loved it. Um, it was cool. I got to perform to, to Brady as well. He mentioned me in his press conference, which is pretty cool. Is that what um, led to the media kind of dubbing you the team is magician? Was it that conversation or was it something else? So so the series that we did beforehand, the weekly series, uh, that's what kind of stunned me. It was actually Ryan Hannibal. He's a reporter for a WEI. 
he came up to me and said, Hey, you know, we see you, you know, the series online, you know, what is this? Can we just do a story on you? I said, yeah, sure. Sure. Whatever. So he did a story on me. And then at then everyone was like, wait a minute, the, the Patriots have, have a magician. Wait, what's going on here? Yeah. So that's what sparked kind of, it was one story that kind of, kind of went viral, kind of skyrocketed everything. And then, yeah, I mean, you were everywhere. Yeah. You were everywhere. <laughs> you know, pros and cons of that, you know? <laughs> um, but I didn't realize how big it was going to become. Um, and then, and then one of the reporters asked uh, Brady during his press conference, you know, what he thought about me. And that's, um, and then that, then it took another step, you know? So it, it really skyrocketed, you know, from there, which, which was cool. You know, um, I think people, people thought, thought that was really neat, you know, that they have a person going around, you know, entertaining the players and, you know, getting the players together that really wouldn't communicate otherwise. Are you in the locker room with them doing tricks before a game? So, so for my other, so when I'm actually working, you know, my, my real job, um, I go in the locker room and I'm with all the reporters and, you know, interviewing the players, recording the audio, things like that. So the players recognized me from the the series and when they, when we went into the studio so you know play like oh yeah oh yeah oh you did, you did the trick to me the other day oh, that was cool you know can you tell me i would say no you know yep, yep. Yeah, all right <laughs> um, <laughs> i'm sure that's after yeah. every trick oh tell me how'd yeah. you do that <laughs> uh so then so i was in the locker room and that's kind of that's how the locker room kind of knew about me the people that didn't know about me started to learn about me even though if they weren't in an episode because it was all the players started talking so I performed, I would perform tricks to them, you know, during, during the week, you know, when I, when all the media was in there and they, you know, it's like, oh, I know I just want to relax. No, let's, let's see a trick, John, whatever. I was, so I would do things like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And when the Patriots won the Super Bowl in 2017, what was it like being known as the guy that helped them achieve that? And where does where does that that idea really come from? Uh, you can't write that stuff, you know. <laughs> you can't write that stuff. Uh, I it just it was just it was just really funny that the same year they hired me to do magic to the team. Um, and my phrase, my whole life phrase, that is that impossible is just a word. I, I live by that phrase. So the same year they hired me and I started doing magic for the team was the same year they overcame the greatest comeback of all time. Mm -hmm. um, and people are saying it's, it would be impossible for them to come back. I think they had a, a one chance at a 0.02% chance of winning. You know, people were texting me that I haven't, I haven't talked to in 10 years and say, Hey John, you, you know, use your magic to, you know, to help them come back. And I would say, okay, hold on. Yeah. And yeah. then at the end they're like, you're welcome. Yep. You know? <laughs> uh, so, it was, so then, you know, media, all of us were like, Oh my God, this is crazy. You know, they, they hire, they get a magician to be on the staff and all of a sudden this happened. Like this is just, it was. Cause, cause that was like the storyline after, yeah. after they won. Like, yes, it was the greatest comeback and they'd say, Oh, greatest comeback. But wait, wait, wait. We had a magician throughout yeah. the year. Yeah. Like this is why. Yeah, it was the greatest greatest trick I ever did. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was it was just it was really really funny how everything just came into place and it was this great timing and I, uh, you know, I, I don't take credit and you know, but if you guys want to give me credit, then go for it. You know, uh, the, I love giving right? you credit. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I'll just let you put the facts together and draw your own conclusion. Um, does have you ever done a trick for Belichick? I haven't. No, I yeah. I rarely see him, and whenever I do see him, he's doing interviews, and mm -hmm. you know he's talking to the media and things like that. So, uh, my my kind of you know rule of thumb was that I wouldn't I wouldn't ask the players to see a trick unless they asked me first. Yeah, and just to, and I just respect you know their time and all that stuff. So a lot of the players would come up to me and say, "Hey, John, you have any new tricks for me?" Yeah, yeah, sure. And then I'll then I'll do something, but I won't go up to them and say, "You know, hey, hey, Tom, or hey, hey, Rob, you know." 
wants to do a new trick. Like, you know what I mean? So I, I let mm-hmm. them come up to me, mm-hmm. I know, just because mm-hmm. I, resp- I try to respect their time. Wait, so if they're coming up to you and asking you to do a trick, does that mean you have a trick on you at all times? I bring cards on me no matter where I go. Um, if you talk to any magician, nine times out of 10, they'll have a deck of cards on them because you never know what's going to happen. I love it. So it's like I leave with my cell phone and my wallet. John leaves with his cell phone, his wallet, and a deck of cards. Yep, that's exactly right. Yep, that's and exactly right. There's actually a deck of cards on the table right yeah. here. Yeah. I'm not going to ask you to yeah. do a trick because I know it won't sound really great over over the podcast. Um, <laughs> but we're going to put a, a video of you doing uh, some up-close magic uh, yeah. in the show notes as well. Yeah. Um, that'll be really, really great for yeah. everybody to take a look at. So I, I really like how you use magic to showcase what the players are like off the field, humanize them a little bit so it's not just like game time, press conferences and they're done what's been some of the most surprising or fun things that you've learned about the players because i'm sure there were some things that you didn't know ahead of time yeah uh i think i think magic is a great tool to break down barriers um just performing for so long you really see uh the human side of people i know i know a lot of you know people have their professional self and they have their personal self and they like that i think magic is a great way to kind of break that wall down and when i perform to the players you realize that they're just normal people they're just normal people who are really good at playing football um and then you know so after we do a trick we'll start talking about our families and you know oh how'd you get into this blah 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 um and you just realize that that the players you know are literally just normal people they have a family you know they have kids they have a wife um they've been playing football for a long time and you know they just make a lot of money playing playing a sport that they love to do mm-hmm. um and that's what that's what i realized over the years is that when you perform to a a celebrity or someone who who is famous magic is a great way to to realize you know that everyone's human you know everyone's just a person they just have a different background than than you do yeah. Yeah. It's almost like magic is the way to strip out any type of title or any type of publicity or, or anything that makes this mm-hmm. person appear much higher than everybody, mm-hmm. like puts everybody on the exact same level about yep. regardless of who you are. Yep. That's, that's a great way to phrase it. Yeah. When I perform magic, I don't think the magic is the trick itself. I think the magic is the concept of bringing people together that wouldn't communicate otherwise to share a common experience. Mm. I think that is the real magic. It's not It's not the trick. It's the moment, the yeah. concept of, hey, these people probably wouldn't be communicating if it wasn't for this. I think that I think that's just really powerful, you mm. know? And so is this what you speak on? Yeah, so I've just learned over the years that magic isn't about tricking people. In, in my opinion, I know a lot of magicians do magic to trick people or fool people or, you know, they treat them as puzzles and tricks. And I don't really view magic as that way. Growing growing up, um, I realized that you can you can use it for, for a better cause than just tricking people. So what I use it as, you know, if you have a goal in your life that you think is impossible to achieve, but you just witnessed me do magic, which I think magic is simply any situation that you thought was impossible became impossible. So if you have a goal in your life that you think is impossible to achieve and you just witness me do magic and pull off the impossible, then why can't you achieve your impossible goal as well? So that's kind of the whole theme of my show. And uh, if I do a keynote, I, ta- I use creativity techniques that I've used over the years to not only develop routines uh, for my show, but to also achieve different goals in life. Uh, that's not magic related and achieve personal and professional goals and help other people achieve 
goals as well, but using the same creativity techniques that magicians use to develop routines like that opposite object method that I was telling you about beforehand. Yeah. Yeah. So what are, what are you looking to do every time you create a trick? Yeah. Uh, I want people, I don't, I, I want people to say, well, if, if he can, if he can pull off, if he can do the impossible, then why can't I? I think that's the overall message of it. Um, so then you can develop a trick and then it's the way you present it to make it, to make that message come across, you know, cause I could easily, I could easily say, okay, take out a card. Okay. Was well, this your card? Like that's, that's easy to do, but how can you make it so people, uh, uh, you know, remember it 10 years from now and say, oh my God, he did this. And then like, like I, like you have to have an emotional impact on them. And that's why I do it. You know? Yeah. Are there any tricks that you do? Um, that even when you're done with it and you've pulled it off, you think to yourself, oh my God, how the hell did I do that? <laughs> Some, sometimes, yeah. So sometimes, <laughs> sometimes, uh, you know, I'll just get really lucky on stage. And, you know, I've had, a, I have a few few jokes in my show where, where I'll just guess something and I, I know it's wrong. You know, the one in a million chances I'll get it wrong. And a few times I've guessed it and it completely right and be like, Get All right, out. thank you very much, everyone. Like you know, like, and you just you just you know play it off. Get out. You, you just play it off, and you're like, wow, I just got really lucky there. Wow. And we get that on film, you know. Like, yeah. Do you have any? We'll we'll put this as the like, oh my god, I can't believe this worked video in the show notes. Uh yeah, I don't know if I have a video of it, but I remember, there's a trick in my show where I borrow someone's uh, iPhone and I try to guess their password and I try to open up their phone, and. I do it. I've done it. I don't even know how many years I've done this for. And I just, I just, I, did, I make up a random number and yeah. people, people are all like in suspense. I'm like, Oh my God, is he going to guess the number? And I just, I'd be like two, four, six, eight, whatever. And they and they, the person says no. And I say, okay, well, how amazing would that have been if I got that? Right. You just play a joke off and people think they, you know, people find that funny. And I've like once or twice, I've just plugged in random numbers and it would be to open and it up works. and I'd be like, see, Got it, got it open, right? And people go nuts. So like, I'm like, and then back in my mind, I'm like, I'm sure how they're, the I'm hell sure did they're I pull like that off? Really freaked out. Yeah, yeah. And I'm up there, just have to act normal. Like, yeah. but I'm like, wow, I can't believe that just worked. Yeah. Let that um, be a lesson to you. If you have two four six eight as your yeah. iPhone password, yeah. never give it to John and exactly. change your damn password, please. Yeah. <laughs> so that you know, that's a few times where you just you just get so lucky, or or you come up, you know, you bring some up on stage and you. Be, you know, you just try to guess their name or whatever, and you guess it right. Yeah. They're like, oh, we never met before, right? Okay, your name's Susan, right? It's just a funny joke, and they say, yeah. I'm like, yeah, and I say, I'm John, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got to be really yeah, yeah. good. Really yeah, fun. magic is really about improv. You have to be. Yeah. You have to be able to play off the audience and take advantage of opportunities that uh, that you can't write, you can't put in your script. And I think that's something that's really people don't realize about magicians that yeah. it's a lot of it is, I wouldn't say a lot of it, but a good chunk of it is, is improv. You know, you, have you taken audience. improv classes? Uh, I've taken a few. Yeah. And they're really hard. They're really, really hard. But I think um, it works your brain in unique ways where you can think on the spot. Um, and being able to do that has helped me, has helped me a lot. Cause I've had a few times, you know, you were saying how, you know, tricks that, have you even fooled me, right? Well, there's the opposite direction that's, that failed. I've, I've gone up there and I've messed up. And I'm like, wait, how did I just like, and I'm, but you can't think of it. I'm like, what, how, why did that not work or whatever? But you have to, you have to use a joke or you have to somehow continue the show on mm -hmm. uh, yeah. without them realizing you messed up, um, which is really hard, you know, because yeah. you're in front of thousands of people, you, met, you just messed something up, you have to show must go on you have to say something you know yeah yeah um, do you have a go-to or is it 
They're like so situational. Do you have a go-to thing that you say? Um, you know, if God I forbid do, something happens. I do, but I don't want to say it now yeah, because yeah, yeah. then if I mess up, then people will know I messed up. <laughs> very true. Very true. The code, that's improv right there, guys. The code word is bananas. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, bananas. Yeah, yeah. bananas. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, John, a little earlier, we talked a little bit about you know how uh, magicians have creative consultants. Can you tell us a little bit more about how the industry works? I think it's something that fascinates a lot of people. I've loved magic since I was a kid. I went to a show last week when I was on vacation with my family, um, but I don't know how, a whole lot about how the industry works. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, yeah. So we have a team of consultants, uh, a lot of magicians, not every magician does, but they, they have a, most of them have a team um, of people that help them develop routines, help them put the show together and they say, okay, well, we have, you know, we think that these 10 tricks would be good for a show. Okay, now how can we reorganize them? So the whole show just flows, you know, you don't, it's not a trick after trick after trick. It's you, you realize after an hour, suddenly like, wait a minute, that was, he just did 10 tricks and not even realizing it. Um, so, so that's, that's one way, you know, we, you have a team uh, of consultants. I think another way is that a lot of people don't know is that um, people create, create material and then they actually can sell their material as well. So if you're, if you're a magician or let's say you're a person who's into magic and you see something like, oh wow, I want to learn how to do that. Uh, some tricks, people, the people that create the material will sell them. So you say, okay, you know, here you, know, you pay me a certain amount, and I'll teach you how to do the trick. And this is what you were doing at 12 years old. Yeah, was creating these tricks, and you know, some of them you, you would perform yourself, but you would actually sell these to other magicians. Yep, yep, okay. exactly. Yeah, so that's that's how it works. Um, a lot of the a lot of tr a lot of tricks though are, you know, you you'll see a video of a guy doing it on stage, and once you you know, quote unquote, buy the truck or learn how to do it. You say, oh man, I can't do that. Like it was because it's really hard to do or he, they don't, you don't have the right presentation to make it. It doesn't fit your style of magic or things like that. So there's a lot of times where um, you have to, you have to take a routine and really make it so it fits who you are. Um, you can't just say the word for word how the other guy performed it because that'd be just literally just plagiarism, you know? Do you run into so, that a lot where you buy a trick and you realize, oh, this doesn't really mesh with my style? And then you have to do a lot of tweaking to mm -hmm. kind of get it, get it where you want it. Or do you just ever just say, oh no, I'm, this is, I'm going to throw this away. A little of both. So a little of both. I think um, I'm one of those magicians who doesn't use a bunny or hat or cape or tigers or whatever, things like that. I, I can do a 60 minute show, just, you know, everything in a backpack. I like to use a lot of uh, people, you know, things that people have in the audience or just normal objects. I think if you, bring in a lot of objects that people don't recognize like a box or you know some weird looking table that people don't realize don't recognize they automatically think it's a fake yeah it's a I'd fake agree. prop mm -hmm. i agree um and i don't think magic i think magic is more powerful when you're doing extraordinary things with ordinary objects that's that's my whole philosophy so i try to be that kind of modern day person um so kind of going back to your question where a lot of these tricks um they can fit with one person because that's their style. But once you learn how to do it, you say, eh, actually, that's not really, I don't know if I can do that. It doesn't really mm -hmm. fit my style of the show. Or you tweak it in a way where, okay, well, I like, I like the method, but I don't, but maybe I can tweak it a little bit to use that method for something else or mm -hmm. use it, use the presentation for something else. So it's really just all about trial and error. I think that's what it comes down to. Yeah. yeah. And what are, what are a few of the, the really, really basic fundamental things that you wish people uh could understand about magicians uh it's not all fun and games 
Um, what do you mean by that? Yeah, yeah. It's it's a lot of it. People don't realize a lot of work behind the scenes that goes into doing a show. It's not just going up there, performing a few tricks, and then getting paid and going home. Um, and a lot of people don't realize. A lot of people that aren't magicians won't realize that it's a business as well. You know, you have to go back to the drawing board and say, okay, okay, well, this worked, this didn't work. How can I do this, this? And you go up there and do it again. Okay, well, this worked, this didn't work. How can I? And you, it's a, the, the cycle, but you know, continues just constantly tweaking. Um, you know, then there's paperwork that's behind the scenes. There's finding shows, finding venues, um, negotiations with contracts, things like that. And I think a lot of people don't realize that uh, it's not just a magician going up there performing tricks. And then, then, then leaving, you know, it's going mm-hmm. out again, there early setting it up, you know, talking to fans afterwards, breaking it down, traveling, you know, reimbursement, you know, it's all the mm-hmm. little things that people don't realize. And that doesn't even include developing the show to begin with and saying, okay, you know, it, it, it's hard being a magician because you know how, how everything works. So how do you know that it's going to fool other people when you already know the answer to it? Yeah. That, that, that makes sense. It's like, it's like, wow, like I could, I've had a few tricks where I, I would think that wow no no one's gonna figure this out wow this is such a sneaky method i'll go up there and perform it and people will be like oh so you just did xyz right and say dang how'd you really right and then this other tricks would say okay this method is so easy how i just know that you know, people are instantly going to know how i'm doing this you go up there it's you know the greatest trick i have i'm like mm-hmm. what like how did you know so it's it's really it's confusing but it's fun at the same time because you're trying to put all the puzzle pieces together to make the best show possible with all the knowledge that you have um, and then just keep constantly going out there, performing and tweaking and performing and tweaking. Yeah. Mm. So w- when you're learning a new trick, how much practice do you put into it before you actually bring it to the stage? Um, well, first off, so I'll talk to my consultant, Staffy, and I say, Hey, Staffy, you know, I have a cool idea. What, what are your thoughts on this? And then, um, I like to consult with him first because then he can give him and I are completely opposite in the way our brains work. So he'll give me his perspective and I say, oh, that's a good point. I didn't even think about that. So we'll just go back and forth, back and forth. Um, and then, so it really depends on what the trick is. It could be, you know, it could be a few months, uh, it could be a few weeks. Um, but I like to perform it for a few, a few friends and family that have mm-hmm. seen me grow up performing. So they know, uh, they're, they're kind of, they're looking for the method. They know you know, okay, if, when he says this, he does this, you know what I mean? So they know, okay, okay, he just did a sleight of hand move there. Um, so they kind of, they don't know how I do the whole method, but they kind of get a sense of what I'm doing just because they grew up around me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like to practice in front of them. Then I'll, you know, talk, to, I'll, then I'll go back, talk to Stathy and say, okay, well, what about this? What about this? And then I'll go out there and, and a lot of magicians will do product placement for, you know, if you, you know, for entrepreneurs, you know, if you have a, uh, a brand new, you know, let's say uh, soap, whatever, right? you'll put it in between the, the two soaps that are really popular to make it seem like it's really popular, right? Mm-hmm. That's the same thing with magic. So if you, have a new, if you have a new trick, you'll sandwich in between tricks that you know are good. Oh. Um, so, you're, so you're kind of come going on a little roller coaster ride. And you know, so if you mess up or if it doesn't get a good reaction, well, they're already pumped up from the trick beforehand and you know that the, second, the next trick is going to be good as well. Mm. So final question, looking into the, the future of magic, what's, what's the one thing that you're most excited for? Maybe it's like a new style, new technique, new something that's coming down the road. W- what do you look forward to? Yeah. Um, well, I think it's really hard for magicians nowadays to, to put on a show um, for multiple reasons. I think one of them is that 
uh, you know, movie theaters, the attendance of movie theaters are going down, you know, because they have Netflix and, you know, people, you know, do that. So I think the whole theater performing arts industry is, it's, it's going to be, the trend is a little bit different nowadays because people have a short attention span. They don't want to be sitting down for an hour. Um, and if they do, it's hard for them to not touch their phone, you know, like, you know, and see, okay, what time is, what do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's, you have to, you have to alter your show around that. And then with social media, a lot of magicians nowadays are performing magic just for social media. Um, so, you know, it's a 15 second trick, a nice visual trick, which is really cool, but you, there's no way in hell you could perform that trick live in front of someone because of angles or because mm-hmm. of what it is, you know? So I think magic is really interesting right now because it's that kind of a fork in the road of saying there's so many variables of of what magic is and what magic should be and where it's heading because of cultural differences. Um, so I'm just excited to see where it's going to be going. Um, I think I think a lot of it right now is steering away from the traditional bunny in the hat stuff. I don't want to steal. I think there's a few magicians who do that still, but I've seen that kind of slowly disappear. No pun intended. Um, <laughs> so I try to make it really modern. I think that's what people are really fascinated by. The, how can you incorporate culture and, you know, and things that are popular within your show and make a funny joke about something and, you know, and things like that. So I'm, I'm excited to see where it's going to be going because of all these variables. Awesome. John, thank you again for everything. This has been a really awesome conversation. I've really enjoyed it. Um, For those people listening who want to see you perform, uh, find one of your keynotes or get in touch with you, uh, what's what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, so I do a bunch of different things, actually. Uh, First, I give my website if you want to check it out. It's uh, johndukelogan.com, J-O-H-N-D-U-K-E-L-O-G-A-N.com. My email is info at johndukelogan.com. And I do a lot of uh, magic stuff and I also do educational keynotes. So if you're, uh, you know, have a leadership conference coming up or a corporate event or creativity workshop or maybe a student leadership uh, or, you know, program and you really want people to look at things from a different perspective, either to develop new programs or fundraiser, marketing campaigns or products or services or entrepreneurship programs, anything like that, I do i do a keynote which teaches people how to be creative how to look at something from a different perspective but i use magic as a way to show them that so you walk away learning a lot of valuable strategies and techniques to be more creative but you also being entertained by magic as well so i do a few different things as well that's kind of the educational part that i do all right and then for people to connect with you on social media yep social media you do instagram is john logan 32 and then twitter is just logan 32 All right. Awesome. We will throw links to all of that schedule and booking information, uh, your website and social media handles. Thanks again for everything, John. This has been great. Cool. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening. If you like this episode with John, head on over to iTunes. Uh, We'd appreciate a rating and a review. If you'd like to connect with us on social media, we are at SMX podcast on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Uh, You can find us on the web at subjectmatterx.com and you can subscribe to the podcast on your listening platform of choice. Uh, We are on iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, SoundCloud, uh, really like a lot of places. Yeah, Um, covers the whole gamut. Head on over, subscribe so that new episodes of Subject Matter X will come straight to the listening device of your choice. And remember that Subject Matter X is always brought to you by Content Pair. 
If you are a brand and you want to produce content that is written or authored by a subject matter expert, or if you consider yourself an expert and you want to get your knowledge, brand name, you want to increase your reach, get published by a well-recognizable business blog, head over to contentpair.com. Both of you can sign up and we will connect you with the right opportunity. So thanks for listening. Awesome. We'll see you next week.